the four square movement in every pulpit we had a bottle of oil and no telling how many people I put a spot of oil on their forehead prayed for them nobody even said they felt better so uh, in the process of time I began to get some insight and I'm going to relate some of that but I want to uh, point you to Luke's gospel chapter 10 first of all uh, used as a scripture because I'm going to refer to several dimensions that are in that. If you want to turn uh, with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, uh, I want to read some scripture. Pay attention because I'm going to be referring back to that. Verse 1 says, After these things, the Lord uh, appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and every place where he himself was about to come. Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into the harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as uh, lambs among wolves. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, uh, and greet no one along the road, but whatever house you enter into, say peace to this house. And uh, if a son of peace be there, uh, your peace shall rest on it. If not, it shall return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they, ha as they give. For the labor is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter and, and they receive you, eat such things as, uh, as uh, they uh, set before you and heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come unto you. Skip with me over to uh, verse... Uh, uh, verse 17 and the 70 returned with uh, uh, returned with joy saying unto him the uh, Lord the demons even the demons are subject unto us uh, and he said to them I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven uh, I saw Satan uh, fall like, uh, uh, behold, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, focus on verse 20, nevertheless, uh, uh, do not rejoice in this, but rejoice that because your names uh, are written in heaven. So I want to use that for text for a moment. Uh, there's numbers of dimensions that you need to understand about healing. I'm going uh, to open this for uh, questions from people. I want you to ask questions because many times the, the, the insight comes when people ask questions and we take off from that. Healing is an art. I think it was John G. Lake. Uh, he wrote a book and uh, in that book he said if you are talking about uh, virtue, the healing is God's healing virtue, but if you're talking about uh, uh, art, the man or the woman who has uh, learned to open their nature to God uh, has begun to understand the art of healing. So, uh, as I said, I've always believed in healing, uh, but it was about 1970. 1997, I was preaching a crusade in, uh, actually, uh, this began before that I, uh, Jack Harris was uh, our uh, healing evangelist. He was pastoring in uh, Nogales, uh, uh, Arizona, and a uh, man called him on the phone and said, I want to uh, do a crusade for you. I'm the setup man for more Cerullo, Cerullo. It's, uh, uh, his name was uh, Figuerio. So he rented that bull ring that's in Nogales, Sonora, Mexico, 
and he did three nights, and that's the first time that we ever saw anybody do mass prayer. Uh, T.L. Osborne was way before his time. When I was a new convert, I used to get T.L. Osborne's literature, which shaped a good bit of my understanding. And uh, he's the first one I ever heard of that prayed a mass prayer. He just gathered a group of people, gave them instructions, laid their hand on their body, prayed a mass prayer, and then miracles of every kind happened. So three nights he did that. On the fourth day, he came to Jack and said, I'm leaving, that uh, you're going to do the crusade tonight. He said, how can I do that? I, uh, I don't know that. He said, you just do what I did. And so Jack Harris did that, and uh, sure enough, he began to see mass miracles. And so I used to travel with him, and I'd do the seminars. He would do the crusade. And so uh, as I'm watching his life, I became, con I became convinced uh, that uh, I knew his life. I knew uh, his living. I said, if this guy can get miracles, I can do miracles. So we're in Iloilo City, Philippines. We're doing about 7,000 people a night in a basketball court. And uh, after a couple of nights, Jack Harris caught pink eye. The eyes were red and he couldn't do the crusade. And so I said, I'll do the crusade. So that day, uh, uh, a typhoon came in and was, uh, weather was prohibitive of, uh, of uh, a crusade. So we went down the street to a uh, garage and uh, there's probably a hundred people that crowded into that garage and I did the crusade, prayed, and nobody even said they felt better. So I said, well, I guess it is a gift. Up until that time, I always approached that healing. You have to have the gift of healing to get somebody healed. And so for seven years, I didn't uh, do that again. But then I was doing a crusade, uh, a conference rather, in uh, Nogales, uh, 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 Mexico, just below the border for Cruz Guerrero. And uh, I had a word of knowledge on a couple of things, had them healed. And so he saw that and he said, I want you to uh, preach for us in Mexico City. So I went down there. I didn't ask what I was going to be doing till about the last day. And he said, you're going to be doing a crusade. I said, okay. So I had probably 35 people that answered the altar call for healing and I had 12 instant miracles. And so that was insight for me because I knew I did not do that. They got healed because they did what I told them to do, put their hand on their body. And what was happening was they were releasing their faith to God and God healed them. I went from that back to Prescott, preached a crusade in our church. Uh, and I had about 12 major miracles there. I went to Denver, uh, uh, preached there, and uh, had the same thing. Went back to Prescott, did the same thing again. Nobody got healed. So I began to learn certain things about the dynamics of healing, and that's why I say healing is an art. There's certain things that you do that enables God to release your faith. And so we're going to talk about that uh, uh, this morning. If you've been to one of our crusades, uh, you know that when I finish uh, praying for the people, then I ask the pastors to come put their back to the platform and sometimes uh, uh, Bible study leaders. And so I tell them this statement. I say, you can do anything that I can do. And they get many miracles. Uh, that's how I end the crusade. So I was telling Richard that thank God that I had the privilege of uh, experiencing the Jesus People Movement because uh, that gave us the experience of dealing with new converts, which are different than old converts, and beginning to learn many lessons in the Jesus People Movement. Our, our, uh, our fellowship uh, didn't start the Jesus People Movement. We simply tied into that and uh, enjoyed the great benefits of being the experience in the Jesus people. There's a book that's been written by Greg Laurie. It's called The Jesus Revolution. It's a new book, I think, within the last couple of years, and you need to get that and read it because it tells the history of the Jesus people movement and give great insight. If you're a pastor, you need to read that uh, because it's, 
it's a great insight. So I'm going to open uh, for uh, uh, questions this morning. I'm going to try to answer those because in answering questions, I'll, I'll wander all over the map. But uh, many times you get a lot of insight uh, by uh, that. So uh, raise your hand and you want to ask a question. And uh, we got young men back there. They're going to run. They need the exercise and they're going to run and give you a microphone. Okay. On, on healing. Slowly and very clearly for yes, me. On, on healing, do you think sometimes the hindrance could be our faith or their faith that doesn't bring the healing? Say again. When it comes to healing someone, is it our faith or their faith that will bring that hindrance of the, the healing? The question is, is uh, when somebody gets healed, is it our faith or is it their faith? It's both. Uh, in the uh, arena of healing, sometimes people get healed and they'll lose that healing. Or they'll demonstrate on the platform that they got healed but they lose that. So we begin to give out booklets that I copied from a book of Oral Roberts, How to Keep Your Healing. It's a chapter in there. And we started giving those out because that helps them. And sometimes people get healed because of my faith. But if they get healed because of my faith, uh, often they don't lose that because immediately a counterattack from the devil comes uh, and they have to contend for that. That answer your question? Okay. Somebody else? Good question. Can you um, explain why sometimes a person can get healed immediately and other times it takes a long period of time? I have a friend in the hospital right now with leukemia and 10 infections. She's been healed of three of them, but she still has the other seven. And I'm not sure how to pray for the for her complete healing so that she would be instantly healed rather than going through this for a long period of time. Can you help me understand that? Okay, we're, we're in a uh, spiritual arena. You'll often hear me say that. We operate in a spiritual arena, and there are many dimensions that are involved. Sometimes this is uh, demonic. Sometimes it's emotional. Uh, sometimes it's uh, uh, lifestyle. All of these dimensions are there. And so uh, a lot of books are being written on the mind. And I've read a number of books. I'll refer to some of these. So uh, I preach sermons, Miracle Healing Now, because I'm expecting a miracle now. And so, uh, but when you're in this area, we're in a spiritual arena, and it depends on uh, numbers of factors. The mind, we don't understand the mind at all. It's a, such a powerful thing. I read a book uh, a lady gave me, uh, The Mind That Heals Itself. So what happens to people who have a stroke is that the mind is damaged, sometimes a, uh, a uh, blood clot or so on and so forth. And so they've discovered today that they can do, do exercises to these people and the mind bypasses that imaged part and recreates new channels. And they're having great success with that. It tells about that in that book. So uh, without knowing, because I don't know everything, I have had wonderful experiences and great insight. I couldn't tell you offhand. Only God knows all the answers. But we operate in a spiritual arena. One thing you need to understand is uh, when praying for the sick, I came to the conclusion that I always believe that uh, we are a physical body animated by a spirit. That's not true. We are a spiritual being inhabiting a physical body. So I became, came to that conclusion by watching what was happening. I was in, uh, I was in Alaska preaching for Bob Overson. And as a young uh, military man had broken his uh, right femur. And so I set him down on a chair. I began to uh, discover that uh, people who have a broken bone or an injury, oftentimes uh, they have a short leg. So I set him down, and he probably had two-inch short legs in the military. 
And as I prayed for him, that leg grew out. I said, bones don't grow. And so that was part of what brought me to the conclusion that we are spiritual beings inhabiting a physical body. So about the same time, I had uh, some insight about chiropractic. Uh, chiropractic is actually magical healing. They'll tell you that, uh, well, what you have is you've got uh, a problem with this vertebrae or that vertebrae. They run their fingers over your spine and uh, begin to tell you you've got this or you've got that. That's not what at all. It's magical healing. So I came to the conclusion that uh, we are uh, spiritual beings inhabiting a physical body. And incidentally, I, we had chiropractors that were practicing in our congregation, and so I lost them because of that, because they made a very good living by uh, manipulating people's back. So that's, uh, that's insight. So when you're talking about that individual, only God knows the full ramifications. I don't know, but we have learned uh, to pray uh, biblically and uh, uh, any believer in Jesus Christ can get a miracle. Luke 10 tells that. Jesus says, I give you authority over sickness and disease. So uh, a book that you must read, if you're a pastor especially, but any believer ought to read, is authority to heal. I came to the conclusion that we have authority to heal. But the average people, person who prays for the sick are asking God to heal them. He gives us authority to heal. So we're asking God to do something he tells us to do. And when I began to understand that, it changed totally my ministry. Everybody I pray for don't get healed, but everybody I pray for could get healed. Because that's what God promises is miracle healing. And that's it. Does that answer your question, dear? I've been wandering all over the map here, but uh, I'll do that all morning. Amen. Yes. Um, I don't know if it's more of a question, but it's the same as, you know, as being saved for years and all, as, you know, I've gone up, you've prayed for me numerous times and all and stuff, and I'm still believing God, but you always have that thing in the back of you that is like, maybe it's, you know, sometimes, maybe it's not God's will. You know, uh, that maybe, you know, like God's using this and, you know, sometimes we love people and they, they, they do pass away, you know. So easy to believe for uh, as a Christian, I think as an older saint, to believe for new, new converts, you know, like, oh, I'll pray for you. And, you know, but then yourself and, you know, I say in the back of your mind, you're like, okay, you know, I want, I want healing. I want it, you know. But like I said, it's, it's harder, you know, sometimes for yourself, you know what I mean? It's like. The old saying is like, well, I, you know, you don't, you don't deserve it, or you know, you have to fight through yeah. because you think, you know, the devil, and you can't conversate with the devil, you know what I mean? And listen, we're like, God loves you, God's gonna heal you, and you know, ultimately, we're healed because we go, when we go to heaven. But uh, to truly believe for healing, as again, as an older convert, that don't forget, right? So um, it's harder, you know what I mean? And you know, I don't know, you know this again, it's a, it's a question, but just your insight on that. How much is harder for someone that's, you know, like when you said you started praying for people later on in life, you know what I mean? Because you didn't think, you know, and it is. And that's the great mystery, dear. You know, yeah. So I guess it's just so, for, to, I guess to state it for older Christians and you to reiterate that is we have to press in and believe God no matter what. Yeah, one of the great uh, mysteries is uh, there's one major healer I can't remember his name at the moment, but he had gallbladder problems never could get healed. He had all kinds of people healed of that, but him, he himself never got healed. That's one of the great mysteries. But in the dynamics of healing, that's why when I uh, go do a crusade, I uh, have workers that work with me, and I say, don't bring me to begin with a blind eye, a stroke victim, cerebral palsy, that's somebody that's injured in birth, uh, or a deaf mute. I've had all of those heal, but don't bring me to start with because uh, the dynamics of the crusade are that your audience, Mark 6, I'll refer to that in a moment, because the audience furnishes a dynamic for healing. 
And so if the first two or three you pray for don't get healed, why the audience say, well, God's not here. You might as well dismiss us because nothing will happen. So uh, I instruct them, don't start me with those. But anything else, cancer, whatever, tumors, I'll start with any of that, but don't start with these. Because I learned the dynamics, and so what I call this is retreads. What you're saying is many times people that are believers in church, I don't know the reason, only God knows the reason, but many times uh, uh, older Christians do not get healed. I don't know if because they don't tithe. I don't know if they hate the pastor. Or I, who knows? I don't know. But uh, what I'm interested in is, uh, is having success. And so uh, I learned some techniques, and that's what I don't want to start with retreads. So I don't know the answer to your question, dear, and uh, that's a puzzle to me. But here's one thing that the church needs to do. Uh, we have the book of Job. And in the book of Job, he had three friends. All of them said to Job, Job, if you'll confess your sin, you'll get healed. 42 chapters, isn't that right? 42 chapters. They're trying to get Job to confess his sin. And he maintains, I don't have any sin. And the Bible actually says that he has integrity. And so after 42 chapters that wanders all over the map of theology, uh, then finally, God says you uh, to these three guys, you go get Job to pray for you, and I won't kill you. Which they do, and uh, they're blessed by Job's prayer. So it's a great lesson there. But I want to be very careful about saying to people, if you would confess your sin, why well, you'd get healed. Or the reason you didn't get healed, because you won't confess your sin, because we had the lesson of the book of Job. A deep and a profound lesson and often that uh, questions brought up and I always say I don't want to go through what Job went through I read it I understand it what it's saying thank God for it but I don't want to be that that victim of, uh, because it says the devil Job 2 verse 7 Satan put that on so now you're into three different uh, dimensions of uh, sickness uh, one is uh, demonic uh, one is a curse that someone has uh, has put on people or they've incurred themselves and another's emotions. All three of those biblically are there. Uh, the curse is uh, Exodus 20. As God says, if you uh, worship false gods, why well, you're going to be cursed to the, uh, what, fourth generation? Deuteronomy 23.2 says if you're con uh, conceived illegitimately that the offspring of that illegitimate uh, uh, impregnation is cursed to the 10th generation. And then um, uh, Ephesians 4.26 and 27 says be you angry and sin not. Don't let uh, the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place. That word place is... Uh, is uh, topos uh, it's a landing spot or territorial uh, when you invade a land you first land somewhere unload your equipment and your personnel and then go on from there to bring the whole land into subjection so these three dimensions are all involved biblically and uh, you're dealing with those and good question dear that's, a, that's my answer and and I'm, I don't know <laughs> Very good. Somebody else? Yeah, over here. Hey, Pastor. Um, as for children, um, when they have, like, real learning disabilities, is there something that contributes to that, like uh, a dyslexia or uh, ADHD, um, just uh, autism? Do you, is there a spiritual uh, connection there? Yes and no. So... Uh, Children, for instance, uh, we have uh, mothers will bring their child that has allergies. Uh, generally, I said, look at me. And uh, said, when you were, cons uh, you became pregnant, were you happy about this? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, no, 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 look at me. Were you happy? And then they're honest. Say, well, no, I was mad because I got pregnant. That's quite common among women, and they project into the child 
rejection. And when they, uh, when they repent of that, and you pray for them, I've had many children instantly healed because they have rejection that the mother projected into them while they were still in the womb. I have an article uh, that's very interesting. It says the first nine months of your life are the most crucial because while you're in the mother's womb, many uh, diseases, which we say are old folks' diseases, are projected by the activities and attitudes of the mother. This is phenomenal when I read that because I'd already discovered uh, that uh, children who are conceived illegitimately often will have one deaf ear. So that's phenomenal because that can be broken and I have many people healed with one deaf ear and many of these are children. So at any rate, any time they bring a child to me with any kind of impairment, I ask them that question. Were you married when this child was conceived? And quite frequently they, they're honest say, well, no. And uh, in prayer, I've had many, many children instantly heal because the, it's a curse of illegitimacy. Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 2. When I first started praying for the sick, I wouldn't do that because I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to publicly embarrass anybody. But uh, God began to deal with me. I want you to point this out. And so then I began to point this out when they said that, no, I was not married. Well, then I point this out. And especially it makes a dramatic miracle if they have one deaf ear and they're instantly healed and their ears open. Does that answer your question? So, got one back there. Okay, one up here. Do, do you find also that if the father rejects the baby while the mother is pregnant, that there would be consequences to that also? I didn't understand your question. Say it again. If the mother wants the baby and she's pregnant, but the father rejects the baby, do you also find consequences to that? Yeah, they don't always come running to the front to get prayed for, but uh, they're generally in a, in a prayer line or something. Why uh, I've had, uh, I've had uh, children that were dead in the womb instantly healed by the power of God. So, uh, but, but remember I said, we're in a, a mystery realm that we don't fully understand all that's involved and especially in the mind. Uh, the mind is a phenomenal uh, part of our personality. One of the books that I've read recently is uh, You Are the Placebo. And so this is a man who uh, had an elderly woman hit him from behind when he was in a bike race and it crippled him. He broke seven vertebrae in his back. The doctor said, uh, we want to put rods in your back or you'll not even be able to set up. He said, no, no, I don't want that because I am a student of uh, quantum physics. And so he went to a friend's house and uh, laid for three months and healed himself. So I'm, I'm, I'm saying to you, when you're in the realm of healing, there's great mystery. So he wrote this book, uh, You Are the Placebo. And uh, when I'm reading this book, I said, where is this guy going with this? And uh, I rightly guessed that he wanted to get us into meditation because he healed himself by meditation. And if you want to investigate quantum physics, that's one of the great mysteries I've been in groups of people, they used their Google and Google that, and they got through reading what was there. They still didn't know. I'm still working on that I, to understand what the issue is, is quantum physics, uh, because it's actually the controlling of energy with your mind. But as far as being able to present a, uh, a knowledgeable course on that, that I can get up and deliver that, I can't do that, but I'm working on that. Does that answer your question, dear? Or confuse you. I 
when you were saying that there were allergies and other things from babies being rejected in the womb from the mother, I was wondering how much rejection from the father would have the same effects. Did, did I explain that well? Well, in, in the article that I have, it begins to name. I've got two different articles that, that I uh, clipped out uh, uh, that having to do with this issue of children that are in the womb that are affected by the mother's attitude. It's affected by uh, what she uh, does. It's affected by the food that she eats, all of this. And so uh, without knowing uh, totally, I don't know exactly what you're asking so that I can answer it clearly. But uh, these are things that I've discovered uh, by practical experience. And without knowing all the full ramifications, uh, you are dealing with the spiritual dimension. The mind is a, is a tremendous instrument that we don't fully understand. I have a book that uh, is called The Cure Within, very interesting book, not a Christian book, it's mind over body. And uh, it tells a story in that book of Norman Cousins, which is a pretty prominent uh, public figure today. He checked himself into a hospital. He's uh, experiencing severe pains in his body, his joints. Uh, I would guess that this was lupus, uh, because rarely men have lupus. And so they said, you're going to die from this. So he checked himself out of the, the hospital, went across the street, checked himself into a hotel, and began to watch uh, movies, uh, Abbott and Costello, uh, Groucho Marx, because he discovered that a belly laugh, a hearty belly laugh, the pain would leave him from two to four hours. So he stayed in that hotel watching these movies, and he checked out he was healed. So you What's that all about? That's the phenomena that's in the spirit realm that we don't fully understand the mind. That we're fearfully and wonderfully made, but these are simple experiences that people have. Got one down here. Pastor Mitchell, in our, in our fellowship, we have a wonderful, um, a wonderful uh, thing that we do is in corporate, corporate fasting. When we get together and we when we fast before you know a, a conference but how how critical do you believe or how important do you believe is personal fasting when you're talking about healing well it, it certainly is biblical i think the young man that hauled me over here asked me if i'd read Derek prince's books i have very good on demonology so there is a dimension in fasting and prayer and we do that corporately together for that. And uh, many people uh, do that periodically themselves. I remember when I first started uh, breaking into healing and revelation of healing, I had uh, Bill Coolidge ask me, he said, uh, he's, he's impressed because I'm getting results. And so he uh, asked me that, was this a result of my personal fasting? And I said, no. It isn't. However, that is a dimension well documented, and uh, uh, many people, can, uh, including Derek Prince, have written books and others. Uh, years ago, there's a, uh, a nut that used to write on fasting, Hall. I think his name was Hall. It was in Phoenix, Arizona. And so there is a dimension that's there. It isn't a complete answer. However, it is a dimension because Jesus says, uh, this kind comes not except by fasting and prayer. So I don't know if that answers your question, but uh, there is a dimension, and uh, isn't the answer to everything, but it certainly is a dimension, and we practice that uh, biblically and uh, different people to different degrees of that. Yes. Got another hand back there. Pastor, in your experience, when you pray for someone and the sickness or the pain moves uh, as you're praying and they tell you you had it on one shoulder, it moves to another one, uh, can you give insight what that actually is? Well, much of, uh, much of sickness is demonically rooted. And uh, either the devil has uh, exploited a dimension of your body through emotions 
as I mentioned, Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, or in Job's case, Job 2, 7, it is a direct result of the devil's attack personally. So when it moves, I always know that that's a spirit. I prayed for people, it's in their right hip. Pain said, no, it's over my left chest. Well, that, that means it's a spirit because uh, there's a spiritual root to that and it's being demonstrated. And uh, though you may not have all the answer at the moment, it's a demonstration that this is a spiritual issue. Much of sickness is a spiritual issue. Asthma is fear. Uh, uh, sinusitis often is directly re, re, uh, is resulting from uh, rejection. And I've had sometimes five or six at once. Uh, in a crusade, you've got a large crowd. Say, anybody that's having sinus infection, stand to your feet. So I say, do you have, is it plugged right now? Yes. And if yes, it's plugged right now. So I have them put their fingers on their nose and cast out rejection. And many times, all of them instantly would say their nose and sinus opened. So I don't know if that helps you any answer your question, but many times uh, it's, it's rooted. Once you understand that you're dealing with a spiritual dimension, it will greatly increase your effectiveness. Somebody in the sound booth back there, he wants his microphone back. <laughs> um, Pastor, I was going to ask you, uh, as far as addiction when somebody's you know under under addiction whether it be cigarettes or alcoholism or maybe even as hardcore drugs as heroin um i understand that people can be delivered from that through jesus uh although it, would you consider that a sickness that can be healed in their in their mind well uh in my personal opinion uh the addiction is caused by a demonic uh dimension I preached a sermon up in uh, uh, Austin uh, maybe a year ago, and I homed in on that because what's happened to them is they have had an experience in drug addiction. Uh, we have a man in our congregation, uh, Scotty Flitcroft. He's claimed for years that he, he got saved doing LSD. <laughs> so, ah, oh, Scotty, you know, no, I'm telling you, I got saved doing LSD. And so uh, he maintained this for uh, probably 20 years. And then there's a book was written about the uh, Jesus People Movement is the uh, God's Forever Family. And uh, they claim that the Jesus People moved in height, uh, started in height Asbury, California in San Francisco. Uh, by Ted Wise, and he maintains that he got saved doing LSD. Not only that, and so hold on to your seat, not only that, but he smoked pot with his converts for a period of time until he finally began to realize this is not really a good follow-up program. And... Uh, so these are, these are real-life testimonies. Uh, and when Scotty Flitcroft uh, read that and saw that, he said, See, I told you that I got saved. So I'm not recommending that you do LSD or pot, either one. But this is what happened. So out of that, you begin to understand that there are spiritual dimensions that are triggered by chemicals. So I preached a sermon up in, uh, in uh, Austin, Texas, and prayed deliverance for some people up there in September. I was down in in San Antonio here preaching, I think probably just a year ago. And uh, one of those young men came and he said, do you remember preaching in uh, Austin? I said, yeah. He said, I was there and I got delivered of, uh, of uh, cocaine and something else in that service that night because I understood that my problem was a spiritual problem. So uh, this dimension is there. Remember, we're in a spiritual dimension. I said that. Once you begin to understand that, then it begins to 
bring understanding to uh, uh, to uh, many things that take place. I think I was talking to the young man that brought me over. Uh, I used to wonder why people who are into chiropractic that get healed, they have actual testimonies. People who have been treated by reflexology, that's massage of the feet, they get healed. People who uh, do some kind of witchcraft, they get healed. Uh, people who are into iridology, they get healed. So I'm pondering this. None of these have any connection with each other. So I'm um, on America West magazine flying to, San, uh, to uh, Vancouver, Washington, uh, Canada, and I'm looking through there, and there's an article on placebos. Now, placebos are a great phenomenon. We have a registered nurse, David Sanchez, that started our uh, rehab program, and he says that 33% of placebos work. I ponder that for a moment. So in that article, it says, you can take a person that has warts all over their hand, put on a white smock, put plain water from a trap, on, uh, from a faucet on that, and say, those are all gonna disappear. And 33% of them will disappear. No, 48% of them will disappear. So now you're into a phenomenon that is a spiritual phenomenon, but it's placebo. So when I read that article about that, I uh, sent off and got a book. This book is uh, the book of immortality. And uh, the guy that's writing it, he goes to spiritualist seances, he's into magical healing, he goes to native witch doctors, and he puts all of this in there. It's a, it's a nut book. But he makes two statements that are absolutely classic. Number one, he makes a statement uh, that uh, uh, that these people do get healed and they get healed because they believe that they'll get healed. And then he makes a statement, these are belief systems. Now your mind is beginning to journey. So I had a young man come to me, he said, how come you think that what you do is not results because of a belief system. I said, well, because several things. Number one, I'm not praying in Wayman Mitchell's name. I don't say I command you in the name of Wayman Mitchell. It's Jesus' name. Jesus said, if you, uh, if you uh, ask anything in my name, and that word ask is actually demand, anything in my name, I will do it. So I'm, I'm ministering in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, where two or more are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And so we're gathered together in the name of Jesus Christ. Thirdly, uh, Jesus said, uh, you, you go uh, and, uh, 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 and, and the Father in heaven, uh, it's, he's, he's pleased to give you the dominion or the kingdom. So these three things alone are what I'm operating under, not my own name. And so that'll answer your question. I'm not operating in my own name or in my own uh, authority. I'm operating in Jesus' authority and according to the Word of God. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that'll confuse you if anything else, okay? <laughs> okay, I got hands over here. Somebody needs to begin. Pastor Mitchell, um Concerning uh, obesity and the counterpart. No great mystery. Obesity is, <laughs> obesity is greed and fat. The counterpart, uh, uh, anorexia, are they sicknesses or are they just manifestations of uh, lack of control or uh, mental illnesses? I don't know. The question is? Question. Are they illnesses or anorexia and... Yeah, and people can't get delivered of, uh, of uh, obesity. One of the great tragedies of our life is that people deny it. How many of you ever eaten in a golden corral? I'm not giving an altar call, I'm just asking. When you go to the golden corral, you don't go to, uh, to uh, uh, eat, you go to get your money's worth. 
<laughs> and there's plenty of people there that they've gotten their money's worth, you can tell by looking. That's one of the great tragedies is the denial of that. You know, the, it, it's in the mind. Uh, you're in a fast and you pass a counter with a cracker on it and uh, your body cries, let's eat! And so uh, it's, uh, it's self-control. It's what it is. And they and they say if I if I just fast two days I'll gain forty pounds. Well, that's not true. That's excuses. We are we create a theology that justifies our fallen nature. We're marvelous at creating a theology. I often say that to my congregation. And so uh, that's a great tragedy of today. Is that many people will die a very uh, a very short life. They'll die because they refused to discipline their appetites. I remember a good man we had that died at 52, and uh, he was a good friend of the Mayots, and uh, Phil Mayot was giving uh, his obituary, or his uh, uh, eulogy, and he said we had him over to eat for us, and he said he'd always eat the fat first. And he said, I think this is the fat that got him, and I don't doubt that. So I don't know if that answers your question, but I made several people feel guilty at least this morning. <laughs> Very good. I had some more hands over there. Good morning, sir. Uh, I want to follow up or piggyback on the addiction part of it. On the what? Uh, addiction, being addicted to yes. alcohol or yes. uh, drugs. I myself was addicted to cocaine for a year and a half before I gave myself to Christ. I actually joined the Navy to get away from that lifestyle. Uh, fooling myself, if you will, I got back on it after I got out. Uh, but I wanted to, I wanted to stop the addiction. I wanted to stop, and I, I referenced that to me getting saved. Also, I denied God so many numerous times, and when I sat there, I finally said, "I, I, I want this. I want my, I want this to stop." I saw myself from the outside looking in. I didn't like it. I want to stop being a functional alcoholic and stop being addicted to cocaine and, you know, whatnot. I just wanted to stop. So uh, when, when I pray for healing, too, not only do I say believe that you're going to get healed, but you have to want it to be healed also. Yes. Is, that, is that correct? Yes. It, it's faith. Over and over again, Jesus said, your faith has made you well. So you're in the realm of the spiritual realm, and, and, and addiction is a spiritual dimension. And uh, uh, another little story I'll tell you is we got a very good man in our congregation that's been saved uh, for a while. And he says, because we were into a uh, rehab program, uh, David Sanchez was a trained doctor. He began to see uh, elderly people come in to uh, get pills. And he realized these are nothing but addicts. They have a prescription. The doctors prescribed this. He can't deny them because that's his job. He'd get fired. But he's dispensing drugs. And these people are nothing more than addicts. And uh, that's making people really nervous this morning. And so uh, uh, he got into our drug rehab program. We set this up, entire program, qualified it with insurance companies, qualified it with the city, and uh, uh, he was operating out of that, uh, out of that uh, uh, understanding that this is an addiction. And so there's numbers of articles and, uh, and books that are written on that today and they document that's exactly what it is. It's a spiritual dimension, and it's, re it's related to a spiritual dimension. Jesus said over and over again, your faith has made you whole. Not my faith has made you whole, your faith. And so uh, Mark's Gospel, chapter 6, let me throw that in. I was reminded of that a while ago. Jesus is having miracles everywhere. He goes back to Galilee and goes into the synagogue where he was raised, and the Bible says he could do no mighty miracles there because of their unbelief. What's that all about? Well, they knew him. He had been in that synagogue. He'd worked in the, in the carpenter shop, uh, 
and they with their own words uh, had destroyed their ability to get healed because of their unbelief. So it is the responsibility of any speaker in a crusade to create an atmosphere of faith. That's why I said to you that I want, uh, I want workers that will feed me what I want to start with, deaf ears, cancer, I have many cancer, heal instantly, uh, uh, and so on and so forth. But these I don't want to start with. I have the Hadil's heal, but not to the same degree that I do these other things. And so you're dealing with an audience. And if the first couple of people that you pray for don't get healed, you can dismiss the crusade and go home because they say, well, God's not here. This guy didn't have the goods. Because we're dependent on faith. And an audience creates an atmosphere that will produce that. And so uh, this is very important. I don't know if that fully answers your question, but it's, that's a dimension. Got a lot of hands over here. I don't um, have the answer to every, I have people that are going to ask me when this is over, I have an aunt, she has a, this a, a toe enlarged, and what causes that? I don't have the slightest clue, but so <laughs> I'm just telling you what I do know and what I have experienced because some of these are, are, uh, are uh, dimensions. Somebody over here. Yeah. I have Can you speak, uh, give us clarification about the history of medicine? Because I know that before doctors believed or even talked about that your emotions can cause you to get sick. Because when I was five years old, I used to have a whole bunch of nightmares. And so my mom took me to the doctor and said, she's having all these nightmares. I don't understand to the pediatrician. And the pediatrician actually told her that there's nothing physically wrong with her, but... Uh, what I think is you're not paying attention, uh, um, a lot of attention to her. Do you have a new baby in the household? And so she said, yes, I just recently gave birth to an, another daughter. Well, your daughter, which was me, is affected by the non-attention. And if you would pay attention to her or give her some, yeah. that her nightmares will go away. So she did, and my nightmares went away. Of course, I heard this from my mom telling me that. And so can you like explain how we depend too much on medicine and not realize that it's more spiritual than anything. Okay, you said me, you had me, uh, you heard me say that emotional, right, spiritual, demonic. So uh, they actually discovered that uh, many babies are born, the mother does not want them. And so the uh, hospitals know that these babies must have nurturing and they will actually take the baby and cuddle the baby, talk to the baby for that very reason. Because if they're neglected and get no attention, a lot of them will die. Because we are body, soul, and spirit. We don't fully understand all of that. But the hospitals have discovered themselves that if they don't nurture these little babies, many of them will die. And the mother doesn't want them. They, well, they won't take them. They just leave them. They just leave them there. They don't want them. And so that's been discovered uh, many years. They know that, especially in uh, third world countries like Romania, have some experience from there. And uh, they, they don't want their children. They don't want the responsibility. And so uh, that was well documented in Romania. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's true. We're emotional creatures. We're emotional people. Uh, you've heard me say that uh, we have to achieve in life, have to do something to achieve. We have to have recognition for that by our peers. We have to love and be loved because we're emotional creatures and we have to be involved in something. We don't know how it's going to come out. It's a gamble now, to have a healthy mind to do that. Very good. Comment. Somebody down here. The spirit oh, meeting. Pa Pastor Mitchell. Pastor Mitchell, it's, it's me up here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, in dealing with arthritis. With what? Uh, arthritis. When the doctor labels you and says, "You well, you have your knees. Yeah. You have arthritis. 
And like, I, I understand forgiveness. I mean, I'll sit there at night and say, okay, who am I mad at now? I, I'm trying to think of people to forgive. <laughs> Just, or they, or, you know, of course you have, if you've, the older saint that's been around a long time, you know, and you, 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 like you say, you have to control your mind. You can't bring things back. There's probably so many things of emotion, like you just said. Well, uh, we've got a book, uh, old book that we made a reprint of, and uh, it's called Arthritis uh, and Spiritual Law. It was written by a doctor who treated arthritis patients for 30 years and documented each of them. And in, in this book, he documents uh, undoubtedly that most arthritis is rooted in emotions, arthritis and spiritual law. And so uh, this is not theory. This is actual cases he's treating. And he documents dealing with these individuals and how they themselves uh, were filled with resentment and bitterness, and uh, he documented that in some that got healed. So I prayed for many people who have arthritis, see it instantly disappear. And so uh, you're, uh, uh, I said before, I don't know the answer to all things, but much of arthritis is uh, rooted in emotions. So they discovered that uh, drugs will I lay it for a while, but um, many times it won't, it doesn't disappear this, until it's healed. So, good comment. Anybody else? How much how much more time have I got? Am I, uh, Richard? You stop me when I'm out of time. So, somebody else. These are very good questions. Lady down here. One back there. <laughs> Uh, Pastor here. Mitchell, you going back to ADHD, um, we're now in the generation where medicine is given. Uh, do you see it as a sickness? Or, I mean, I've been around for about, you know, in the fellowship, and it's like, no, that kid just needs to be spanked. So when you're disciplining your child, is it something, is it, being, is it a discipline issue or is it really an illness? Did you say PTSD? ADHD, like in the chil in children, or that kid is you know ADD or that hyperactive disorder. Well, generally, it's uh, absent dad disorder is what the real yeah, problem is. Um, but they give it a name, and uh, if you send them to school, they want to inject them with Ritalin, which makes them an addict and affect their brain for the rest of their life. So. Uh, you know, I, we're in an ignorant generation that doesn't understand the spiritual realm. So I've had uh, women that brought their uh, children to me and said, you know, they, they can't can concentrate. And I said, do you have a television? I said, well, yes. And then don't ask me to pray for them because that's what's producing it. Television came in my lifetime. I saw it ruin America. Never had a television, won't have one. We raised our children without television. When we sent them to school, immediately the teachers recognized that they didn't have a television in the home because of the mental state and the reactions that they had. So uh, uh, many of these things that our, that our generation is ignorant about, one of the things that uh, wherever I go, I'm traveling, I'm seeing people, they got to, they got a little instrument and they're spending all that time. They're not communicating with anybody. They're watching and pushing buttons on this instrument. That does have an effect on you, I can tell you. And so that's being computed out uh, at the present time in our generation. Books are being written on it uh, that it affects your attitude, affects your personality, affects how you relate to life, it affects how you relate to other people. And so don't just say, well, this is wonderful. All I got to do is push the button, bing, and I've got the answer. Uh, you don't even know your own address. You can't even tell your own address because you got to push the button to find out where you live. I was in Holland preaching and, uh, and uh, the pastor took us to a tent in another city and uh, 
and we got in a hotel and he was there the next day but he got there with his uh, with his instrument next morning we want to go to the uh, the tent where the tent is and he don't know where it is and his uh, and his toy don't work i laughed i said <laughs> i said you don't even know where you are you can't even find your way across town without having that instrument going so he had to call the pastor to come get us and take us to the tent and I laughed. I said, well, what it is is, uh, is is something there that you have to push the button on. It's quit working. And sure enough, these things uh, uh, deprogram themselves and have to be reprogrammed. And so finally he found out what it was the way he did it. But this is an interesting generation, you know. God gave you a mind to use. And if you put it in neutral, if it remains there long enough, why, well, it'll have an effect on you. Now I've made everybody mad, so let's see what else. <laughs> we got a couple more uh, questions. Time's up. One more, okay. Young man down here. Okay, Pastor Mitchell, I'm right here. Pastor Mitchell. Where are you? Right here, right okay. up in front. So my question to you is, um, when you bring someone up or, you know, you call up, you're having the healing crusade and, and people come up when you're praying for somebody are you speaking to the demon and commanding him to leave and do you always does the person that you're praying for have to renounce that spirit and command it to leave as well or can we believe for them and tell the demon to flee um, when we pray for the sick well yes and no sometimes you do sometimes you don't but I don't always say, I know what your problem is. You've got a demon. That's it. <laughs> but I am uh, well aware that I'm uh, dealing in a spiritual dimension. And uh, you'll hear me praying with authority. Because I understand that there are other dimensions that I don't have control of uh, in the past. But will respond to authority. So I don't know. God bless you. Uh, Richard. I cause problems it'll take you months to solve. Hallelujah. How many appreciated that tonight? What a tremendous ministry. All right, uh, we're just going to go ahead and dismiss, and we'll get started in about 10 minutes. Lord bless you.